I thought I thought about um I'm looking forward to editing those bad boys out. <laughs> <laughs>latest very adventurous episode of pronouns in bio and also our first ever pronouns in bio official four-way um, <laughs> what are we doing today re today we are going to talk about the magical world of role-playing games clear and i have both had this as a hobby for quite some time now clear you've been doing it for like what is it 15 years now 20 years jesus 20 years in the role-playing minds if any of you were ever in doubt about how old Cleo is, then that should, uh, <laughs> should make it quite clear. <laughs> Speaking of old people narrowly chasing my coattails, uh, hi, Lou. Hi. <laughs> Great opener. <laughs> Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brings you to the show today? Uh, I'm Lou. I am a writer and I am Ree's partner, which is... I think why I've been invited on today. Uh, I also have, I realised, the somewhat dubious honour of being your first male guest. So, mm-hmm. yeah, here we go. Yeah, don't let the team down. Yeah, you're representing <laughs> cis men worldwide right now. Yeah. <laughs> They're all looking at you. And hi, Beth. Hello. We saved the Beth till last. Oh, hey. Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, hi, I'm Beth. Big role-playing fan. I think I've known Cleo for about 10 or 11 years. I think it was Cleo that got me into role-playing, and um, we haven't really stopped since, have we? <laughs> it's basically been 11 years on the trot, yeah. Yeah, exactly. In true pronouns and bio fashion, we are just steadily rotating through, inviting our mates on, but all four of us regularly do role-playing games together, so... That's our credentials there. I did say yeah. to Cleo when she was pitching this, don't we know anybody who's got like a PhD in, in D&D or something? That seems like something that someone we know would have. God, I wonder if that exists. Besides me, Beth is the person I know who most has a PhD in D&D. So. <laughs> <laughs> D&D PhDs, if you're out there and you want to come on the podcast, do drop us an email. You're literally just losing up by merit of not having known us for bare time. <laughs> it's just nepotism. It's just nepotism, but we're all gay people here, and so it's okay when we do it. (laughs) To the listeners who are listening to this mawkish love fest and considering tuning out because it looks like the bants aren't going to be good in this episode, we will do some Dungeons & Dragons live on air for you. Look, I'm I'm sorry, but yesterday Cleo uh, texted us and said not to worry about trying to be funny, so I'm not worrying. You've just been like, don't look behind the curtain. <laughs> oh, yeah, in the pronouns in bio green room, we just sit around talking about how our listeners all fucking suck. They don't care. Like, it's we episode eight. In. Like, it's fine. 90% of people get bored after episode two. Like, this <laughs> <laughs> Which means that if you're listening right now, you are one of the special ones. And I promise you, we're putting all the effort in for you specifically. So for the uninitiated listener at home, 
What is Dungeons and Dragons? I think it's in the name, really. (laughs) (laughs) You do some dungeon, you do some dragon. There could not possibly be a clearer explanation for someone unfamiliar with the world of tabletop (laughs) role-playing games. I strive for accessibility. (laughs) Would anyone else like to bring anything to the fore? I'll I'll have a pop. Dungeons and Dragons is a role-playing game, which is a game in which two people chat with each other one of them takes on the role of the universe the other takes on the role of a character within that universe um the first player describes a situation the second character describes what they do the dm then goes on to describe like dungeon master dungeon master yeah yeah i bungled it <laughs> <laughs> more, more than two no two no no more. that was perfect yeah in a sense it is this like act of responsive collective storytelling there are elements of chance that are simulated by rolling dice i guess in your classic fantasy setting dungeons and and dragons <laughs> but there's been relatively recently a massive boom in the grand scope of what's called tabletop role playing games to include many different kinds of worlds and settings and genres it's collaborative storytelling right exactly it's sitting around the table with your mates and like sharing a story which i guess is one of the reasons it's got this particular appeal to queer audiences Mm. on which let's unpack that a bit so (laughs) beth you already mentioned you first came to D&D about 11 years ago can you talk to me a bit about your relationship with the game or your experience of it yeah i mean Pretty much straight away, and, and it wasn't D&D that I actually cut my teeth on, it was um, a horror setting. Um, so a little mm. bit less fantastical, but very suspenseful kind of storytelling. Straight away it was just magical, the fact that you could create this story that was in many ways uh, a game, but also like media that you were consuming and writing at the same time, as well as being subject to chance. Um, there's something so unique about it that it just sucked me in straight away uh and the sort of ephemeral nature of it as well the way that um it exists only in the minds of the people who have sat down at that moment to play it you don't usually sit with your friends and talk about the something that happened in a tv show that you've been watching as if it really happened whereas Mm. that's a phenomenon that role players absolutely do slide into it's like you'll often find role players like having a fervent conversation about (laughs) some ridiculous thing as if it really happened but it didn't it was just something from the game um and it's because you can't go back and play it you can't watch it back again it's just gone um and there's something that's just so special about that and it really connects you to the other people that you share it with like any experience, I suppose, but because it's such an imaginative thing, the kinds of stories that you can tell, they're obviously just out of this world and so different and nuanced from your experiences, the real things that you can experience. That's such a nice way of putting it, the, the kind of, the sort of fleeting nature of it and like sharing this entirely unique memory that you can't, that you literally can't replicate. It's yeah. kind of, it happens in the moment and you enjoy it together and then you have that like shared memory together, but it's this entirely unique experience. Exactly. I've often thought, especially since things like Critical Role became really famous, that it's a shame that we didn't think of doing that first, you know, of making a podcast or mm. recording or transcribing like all of the games that we've played. But it's just not the same. There's something that is special about it being fleeting that um, mm. I think is, for me, it's like almost, it's, I just can't 
not keep going back to it. It's just so exciting and fun. And yeah, such a great bonding experience between people. The people that you're playing mm. with, if you don't know them already, like they're probably going to become, or they have for me anyway, become like best friends. Um, mm. And if they're already your best friends, then it's just like an amazing thing to do with them. That's so wonderful. I'm quite choked up over <laughs> oh here. Wizards was... Wiz <laughs> of the Coast need to hire you, Beth. Like, <laughs> honestly, they need to put you in their, in their marketing team. <laughs> I was like stockpiling a gag about how people who talk about what happened in their Dungeons and Dragons sessions at parties should be sent to The Hague. And then the more you talked, the more I was just like, trying to I mean, feel the tears coming. I can't, go, no, like, I can't go through with it. Obviously, when, when role players sit and have that conversation, they think that they're like the coolest shit ever. But actually what's <laughs> happening is like, you're sat in the back of a taxi with your mate being like, remember that time we smuggled a bag of exotic snakes on the London Underground and we didn't get caught? <laughs> and the taxi driver was just like, what the fuck, what the fuck? <laughs> Especially when, like, because these role-playing games, and Lou, I'm sure this is something that you'll, like, really sympathise with, have moments in them of, like, such genuine emotion or intensity or, like, tension that you relive them as real emotional moments. But then you do end up at a party being like, God, my heart has never beaten as fast as when Boppo the Gnome did so-and-so <laughs> or something. And it's like... Is simultaneously the dumbest shit you ever heard, but also Boppo the Gnome really did fucking do it though. <laughs> There's always a moment at like if we're at a party where at any given time, if you turn around, Lou and our friend Jake will just be in this like hour long, intense dissection of their most recent role playing game. It's just like the boys are happy, let them carry on with it. <laughs> I mean, it's guys being dudes. Yeah, <laughs> just good, clean fun. I'm sorry, but the guys are not the only ones responsible for this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Can't stick this one on them. <laughs> Hi there viewers at home, we're now going to take you through a little Dungeons and Dragons adventure to give you a sample of what play is like. Now, I've tried as hard as I can when I was putting this scenario together to simultaneously be as representative of Dungeons and Dragons as I possibly can, while also not compromising on the pronouns in bio brand. <laughs> so you may notice that some aspects of the game have been tweaked slightly to reflect our personal take on it but i want to stress that everything that follows is pretty much exactly what you should expect from number one tabletop role-playing game dungeons and or dragons <laughs> so this is actually based on uh, one of the oldest dungeons and dragons adventures which is was called the temple of elemental evil and was written by gary gygax r.i.p one of the main guys who came up with dungeons and dragons Honestly, I didn't read The Temple of Elements <laughs> before I came up with this scenario. I sort of know it by reputation. I think it's something to do with the four elements. Cool. And so we're going to do our own temple of elemental evil. But our brave adventurers, in order to get their reward, need to journey into the temple of the four genders <laughs> and face each of the elements in turn. As we've uh, described on the show so far... The way that these adventures take place is that I, as the Game Master, will describe what's happening and the players will respond. Today, 
Lu, you'll be taking on a mighty warrior in the form of the Bandicoot. Wow. Um, so <laughs> I don't know if you know what the fuck a Bandicoot looks like. I still don't. I mean, everyone knows what Crash Bandicoot is. Yeah, I know like what. A, don't worry about what. A shredded marmot. It's got like it's wide, got little, wide shoulders. Little he's got little denim, denim shorts. shorts. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. It's a monster. He's a nineties dude. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. 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 That's what I said, a rodent. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Jack's little rat creature with tiny little hotty potty denims. Wow. Um <laughs> Wow. <laughs> is this, am I, have I made a mistake letting you have this character? <laughs> I'm absolutely fuming. I am the animal Noah of the friendship group and I'm absolutely fuming at this inaccurate portrayal. <laughs> my tongue is lolling out my eyes like protruding oh from my, my head <laughs> I'm kind of like simultaneously disgusted and transfixed by your portrayal of a bandicoot as some kind of ahagao coyote <laughs> it is though. true to the natural form of the ahagao coyote you have melee attacks you can fight with your powerful hands, claws, paws we don't know and bite so we'll be rolling 20-sided dice for this, which is the die du jour of Dungeons & Dragons. And you will get plus five to all strength-related rolls. You're also each going to have a powerful magical item uh, that, again, comes from the Dungeons & Dragons universe, but has been given a little pronouns in bio spritz to... Uh, spice it up a bit. And the Bandicoot, of course, has the Gauntlets of Ogre Tits. <laughs> gauntlets. Yeah. These are a pair okay. of uh, powerful branded gauntlets, part of a limited edition release for the movie Shrek Forever After. And <laughs> um, in keeping with the movie's theme of gender-bending transmogrification, they allow the bandicoot <laughs> to temporarily grow just an insane pair of massive naturals. Just un absolutely huge bazongas that give you advantage on all persuasion rolls. You can roll twice. Amazing. So the goth is a nimble kind of roguey class. And you get plus five on all rolls to stealth and sneaking. Mostly because you're dressed all in black. You have a ranged attack with a powerful INTP stare. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Your powerful magical item is the decanter of endless eyeliner, which is uh, an, ench so an enchanted good. jug that brings forth literally unlimited liquid eyeliner. God, if only I'd had that when I was 15. Literally would have mm. died for it. Yeah, this jug came at great cost. Now, Boy <laughs> Wizard, because... <Yes. laughs> Present. Can, can, you, can you do the line? Which one? You're a wizard, Re. <laughs> I'm a what? <laughs> <laughs> because you haven't gone to human school since the age of about 11, you don't have any skills. But... <laughs> <laughs> But you do have three wizard powers, each of which you can use once. Oh my god, okay. Yeah. So you've got lightning bolt. Lightning bolt. <laughs> that old classic. Yeah, lightning bolt, you've yeah. You've got 
telekinesis. Sick. And you've got shape change. Okay. Your magical item is the greater grimoire of fanfic. <laughs> when you read aloud from it, detailed descriptions of your adventures in the boy wizard world and the characters you've made up along the way, it conjures a pack of intellectual property lawyers <laughs> who will then do your bidding. Sweet. Any questions? No, no, that's all perfectly clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I cannot stress enough, we're very much playing a nice straightforward setting here. <laughs> All of you, the bandicoot with his powerful lolling tongue, the goth all in black, the chipper boy wizard whose appearance I shan't describe on this podcast, all arrive at the cave mouth of the temple of the four elements. Inside lies perhaps your doom, but also perhaps your destiny. What would you like to do? <laughs> Wait, what's our goal? Yeah, what is our goal? Just uh... to get to the end of the <laughs> Did you mean to say the Temple of Four Genders or the Temple of Four Elements? I'm going to kind of say them interchangeably. Okay. <laughs> okay. Does the boy wizard have a map? Okay, let me start this again, because this is just bad television. <laughs> the cave mouth yawns in front of you and a dank, musty wind blows out from within. This is the temple of the four genders, and within lies either great doom or great reward, for it's said that those who can pass its challenges will receive an ultimate treasure. Oh, sick. How's that? Yeah, that's good. That's much better. That's yeah. sweet enough for your taste. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do any of us have maps? None of you have a map. Honestly, only the goth can read. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> I think the bandicoot has been staring off vacantly into space and then just like charges forward into the middle of the temple. Waiting to be like controlled by some higher power. He's gone for a shit. Yeah. Yeah, the words paused keep flashing up in front of the bandicoot's face. Suddenly lumbering into action, the bandicoot is jerked forwards and as if guided by an unseen hand, sprints into the depths. Bandicoot, as you reach the temple, it's dark but dimly lit in a central space. There is a portcullis at the far end that is firmly locked and barred. Around it are four doors, each with a glowing letter above them. L, G, B and T. <laughs> you recognise these as the sigils of the four genders. <laughs> Boy Wizard's gone to join the Bandicoot and is contemplating the gate. Bandicoot is just glitching into a wall when you arrive. <laughs> I will sigh melodramatically and then also into the cave. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a locked gate in front of us. Mm -hmm. Yes, and four doors. Two doors to the left of the gate, two doors to the right, and each is marked with one of these arcane sigils. Boy Wizard, you've seen these in your studies of the forbidden curses and know that each one represents one of the cardinal genders. Okay, okay. But their exact meanings have been lost to time. Do the doors have locks All on right. them? Are they locked? They don't appear to be locked. Instead, each one has a simple knocker on it. I will knock on the L door. As you knock on the door, the L glows and then begins to float out in front of you and other sigils come into place until it spells out the word 
lesbian. You recognize this is one of the forbidden words at boy wizard school. Flexibly flinch. <laughs> the door creaks open and a yawning portal stands before you. Let's fucking go. Yeah, I look at my companions and I step into the door. You all in file go through the portal. There is a sort of whizzing sensation, like you're hooked by the seat of your pants and propelled forwards. And suddenly, you are stood on a street corner in the oldie medieval town. <laughs> Could have been any of the many oldie medieval towns that you've come from on your journey. But this one is different because in front of it is a tall, strapping orc woman wearing a button-down shirt and high-waisted jeans. Ooh. Her hair up in a high pony, and she is throwing boxes into a skip. She turns to you and says, Adventurers, you finally arrived. Welcome to the first trial of the Cave of the Four Genders. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Wow! <laughs> I like, yeah, glare. Snidely at the bandy feet, who is making me uh, look Roll uncool. to hit. <laughs> <laughs> it was a three. A three. You give a cold, slightly calculating, eyebrow-raised sneer at the bandicoot, which misses by about three feet, pierces past him through the wall of a local preschool, and quietly <laughs> radicalizes one of its young inhabitants. <laughs> <laughs> the orc says, Well, are you here to help me or not? I love helping people. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I nod solemnly from behind my curtain of black hair with red highlights. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just grand. You see, I'm moving in with my girl, but she lives around the corner, and I can't move all my things. Oh, well, maybe the bandicoot here would be able to lift something for you. Yeah, Bandicoot's got some muscles. Look how shredded he is. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to his abs. Glistening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Bandicoot's inexplicably oiled abs shine <laughs> in the sun. Are the things boxes? There is a yellow skip that is full of some boxes, most of which are labelled books, some of which are labelled kitchen. But more than anything, there are about 300 houseplants of varying sizes in here. <laughs> I spin around really fast and attempt to break one of the boxes. Excellent. Make me an attack roll, please. That's a natural 20. Excellent. The natural 20 is a critical success for the listeners at home. This means that whatever you're trying to do goes, has its strongest possible effect. In a, a tornado of powerful bandicoot limbs, you destroy the top box, sending clothes and personal items scattering high into the air. The orc lady, understandably, says, What the hell? I look sheepish and apologetic and then try and pick up the whole <laughs> It's in his nature. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> That's fine. We can all only be ourselves. The problem is I got all this stuff boxed up and uh, it's going to take too long to, to move things one item at a time. I'm just really keen to move in with my girl Patricia, you know? Like, we've uh, been seeing each other about two weeks, and it's just, you know... <laughs> I'm really feeling it. I, we gotta get this done. I nod solemnly, uh, and then I, I move to go and help with some of the boxes. 
As you start to unload the boxes, the orc says, no, we're never going to get this done with all of us. Can you just, like, get it done? Isn't that what you're here for? I say, I have just the thing. And I uh, bring forth my greater grimoire of fan fiction. And I start reading some, I was going to say some, like, Draco Harry fanfic, but, like, would Harry read that himself? <laughs> As you say aloud the words Draco and Harry. <laughs> oh yeah, shit. Yeah, because... <laughs> Take cover. <laughs> the air begins to stir around you. Dark billowing figures like ink dropped in water spiral down from the skies and you recognize the haggard silhouette of the Boy Wizard franchise intellectual property legal team. (laughs) They quickly sprawl across the ground, spreading out like cooling asphalt and (laughs) sniffing for copyright infringement to consume. I say to them, I clap my hands and say, lawyers, help us move this lesbian orc's shit. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't, then... She's going to say a bunch of words that will have to be bleeped from this podcast. It occurs to me that you could have just used your telekinesis spell for this. Oh, it's just like... Lift it up. They needed some exercise. You can't let them out once a day. (laughs) The spectral lawyers instantly responding to the threat of intellectual property violation swarm the skip sniffing around. One of them breaks open a box and takes out a series of collector's editions of a certain beloved property. The orc looks tense for a minute and then they put it down and say, legally purchased. (laughs) (laughs) Then as one, they swarm around the skip and bear it forth around the corner. The orc leans down to you and says, Thanks so much. I really feel like I can get on with this new stage of my life now. I'm more than happy to pass you the test. I hope you and your girlfriend will be very happy together. We have so much in common. We met in H&M. But I feel like we've already known each other a lifetime. And speaking of which, you'd better get going. And the portal opens behind you once again. Did we take the L? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. In taking your first W, you take the L. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Finally achieving the boy with his ultimate goal of getting it away from the G, B, and T. All real world topical humor for you there. <laughs> and you journey back through the portal to the cave. As we're talking about the guys, Lou, I think I just want to ask you the same question. How... Did you come to tabletop role-playing games and like, yeah, what's your relationship with it? Obviously, like most people's first experiences of D&D, the first time you hear about it is on The Simpsons or something. And you, Mm. like I was a kid who was into like fantasy literature and I thought the Dungeons and Dragons was too nerdy for me (laughs) just because everyone makes it look so supremely uncool on TV in the 90s, right? Mm. Um, But sort of rediscovered it after university when I heard about Critical Role and then was just immediately like, hang on, they're just like telling this story together and it's it's wild. And so partly seeing these people do it very well was what got me into it and it also just so happened that at the same time I was 
sort of lacking for a creative outlet. I think like many, mm. many writers, I had a lot of first chapters uh, <laughs> roundly finished and then never sort of progressed from there. And, you know, hadn't really ever written anything of substance or stuck with anything for a long time. And once I decided I wanted to try D&D as a DM, I found it really, like, fulfilling. I found that, like, once you take away that pressure that writers put on themselves and those sort of, like, stakes of, like, this has to be great, you can just be like, this is going to be a laugh with my mates. You actually end up producing much better sort of material than you would have otherwise. And, and material that you get feedback on in real time. If, you know, a beat that you've come up with doesn't land, you can see your players just, like, Giving you the like, side eye. Right, yeah. When the phones start coming out, you know, all oh, right, that's live critique <laughs> on what I'm doing. <laughs> you're, I'm gonna... you're into minute 25 of Boppo the Gnome's big emotional moment and Everyone's you're starting to lose them. Yeah. yeah um, and so, yeah, for a while it was this like creative outlet. But then, you know, moving up to Norwich a few years back, it, it also sort of ended up becoming something more in the sense that like the people I was spending my time with became something more. I, I didn't really know any queer people until mm. I came to Norwich and suddenly there are fucking everywhere. <laughs> suddenly all you <laughs> <laughs> And just like getting to know all these amazing folks, I think like Beth was saying, it becomes a really good way to lower some of those boundaries. Like it, if it's not real, then you can kind of not really worry about putting yourself out there because it's all yeah happening in this sort of like separate reality so it's not really you if you have to embarrass yourself oh yeah i think that really touches on like for me why i think that role-playing games appear to me as sort of queer gender non-conforming person is because it it actually gives me freedom to like not be myself for a little bit to explore other ways of being and then find yeah find some freedom in like experimentation i suppose mm -hmm. and then like taking little fragments of those into myself afterwards yeah yeah absolutely and and everybody's first character is just them yeah but with right. a sword everyone's but like once you get past you. that and you can start like experimenting with role-playing characters who are very different to yourself mm. it can build empathy and you even you know even if you're not using it as a tool to explore your own identity which you absolutely can and it's a great way of doing that as well it can just walk a mile in someone else's shoes and you you sort of get to understand them a little bit better yeah so i think it's a, it's a great tool in terms of that kind of like emotional maturity and building empathy as well the minute you got to emotional maturity <laughs> i was like reflecting on the characters i play who are invariably like <laughs> elaborate jokes that go on slightly too long <laughs> like, i'm simply not going to reflect on this and what it says about me and the, the, the journey i'm going on i'm interested to see whether when we get to us doing it on the podcast, whether we still think that we've been emotionally mature. <laughs> this seems like a really good point to segue into talking about this specific relationship between tabletop role-playing games and queer identity or in queer community. So, like, Rhi, you've touched a little on this wonderful idea of, like, experimenting with different mm. aspects of yourself or different aspects outside yourself and then responding to those imagined experiences. Mm. We reached out to the queer community online before we did this episode because gay people fucking love Dungeons and Dragons and had a <laughs> lot to say about it. Shout out to the trans subreddit, to the actual lesbian subreddit. They're just like full of the nicest people in the world. Also to the uh, full on for real D&D &D subreddit who even though not being explicitly gay, gave us the go-ahead, which was really nice. Thank you to all the people there. You're all brilliant. 
one of the things that kept coming back time and time again was this pretty even split between queer role players who are saying, I do this to be the person I want to be, mm. and queer role players who are saying, I do this to be anyone but me. Mm. And I just wondered what you thought of that or how this relates to your own experiences. I think I don't necessarily set out to play characters who reflect any part of me or specifically something I want to be. But for me, it's more the opportunity to, like, as Lou was saying earlier, learn empathy for different experiences, I suppose. I did look back over my characters and notice that I don't really play any straight women. But I've played queer characters who are bisexual women like myself or totally different kinds of queerness such as like asexuality or being non-binary or trans or something like that which are not experiences that I have but being able to create characters who inhabit those experiences for me learning that empathy is just really important and I think there is something queer about all of the characters that I play even if I play a straight man I was saying to someone the other day that when when like one of my straight male characters like fancies a woman there's something gay about that because it's me playing him (laughs) (laughs) so it still kind of counts um for me anyway um but the other thing that i think really speaks to queer people about it is that it's a lot of games involve an element of found family whether you're playing like a queer character or not yeah um there's something about the setup of a lot of games in order to qualify as a player character as a protagonist in this story you need to be exceptional because you need to have like the powers or you need to be in the right place at the right time to take part in the story and there's a whole group of you who've been engineered to be different from all of the other characters in this world who are probably thrust into a a situation um, and are forced to be exceptional or different Um, and that almost always fosters this found family thing between the characters and it, it is like something that a lot of queer people relate to as well I think obviously that feeling of being different but of also wanting to find people that are like you who can weather things with you and to share experiences with that theme of found family just comes up again and again in the games that I play and in other games that I watch and talk to other people about and I think that always appeals to queer people yeah I think you were saying that like the people who are saying they want to expand their own identity and people who are saying they want to be something else for a while is really interesting because it ties into the sort of like dual nature of like fantastical storytelling as a whole because like fantasy storytelling is so often about the escapism about like getting to live this like much larger much more exciting life that you don't feel like you you have at home but in the same breath all the best sort of fantasy storytelling contains like a deeper truth about our own world that Mm. we can sort of access by experiencing the narrative and so i think you know, maybe it's not like a 50-50 split of people who want the one thing and people who want the other thing so much as it, there is a real sense in which those two things are sort of tied to each other. Mm. But also I think role-playing is sort of similar to fan fiction and just you have absolute control over the narrative. And so when you're lacking for representation of people like you in real-world media, mm. role-playing is obviously a yeah. very appealing option for queer people because they can create that representation themselves, right? Yeah, they can see themselves in the world. This sort of brings me on to another point that came from our uh, online audience. And I think it sort of stems on quite nicely from what you were both saying. Beth, in terms of talking about what it's like to imagine role-playing within these other sort of characteristics of sexuality or gender identity, which is actually, if you think about it, a really difficult subject to touch. 
because sometimes our queer identities are so hard won there's a sense in which it almost feels like it would be somehow illicit to then step out of it and into anyone else's and I think that idea is like completely reasonable but also really unhelpfully reinforces the idea that even once you've come out or glowed up or whatever your identity is then fixed as opposed Mm to it's worth always reflecting always considering always exploring what it might feel like to be x y or z um and fuck me i spent too long on that and my thought has gone completely out of my head (laughs) what were you saying uh Dual nature of fantasy, escapism, connecting to deeper truths. And That's also absolutely fan it. Yeah, and like talking about that in the context of fantasy as an escape versus fantasy as a mirror, you have this situation where if you're a queer person and you're creating this queer fantasy environment, how do you reckon with the extent to which that is an escape and the extent to which that is a mirror? So for instance... One of our Reddit commentators, Sif Happens on the actual Lesbians subreddit, thank you so much, Sif Happens, who talked about playing a non-binary character who uses they-them pronouns. And obviously there are negotiations in the game world about how your character refers to themselves versus how your character is perceived, much as there are being a non-binary person in day-to-day life. And they described how there was a scene where their character goes back to meet their parents who they don't have a good relationship with. And the DM took the player aside and discussed whether or not the parents would misgender the character as a consequence of this bad relationship. And they agreed that that wouldn't be the case, partially, I guess, to avoid bringing this kind of quite heavy baggage of that kind of relationship into this fantasy world and also partially because as a player they hadn't decided on what the characters assigned gender at birth was and preferred to keep it vague because this is a fantasy world and you Mm. can be free of that oh yeah Mm. that's super interesting like that i've got a character who's non-binary and like i don't think i set out to make them non-binary to begin with i just decided everything else about them first and then was like oh oh i don't have to decide it's a fantasy no one else is going to be no one else is going to find out, so to speak. So whatever, let's just go with um, they, them. And I'll never define like what their assigned gender at birth is because it just doesn't matter. I like that. That's good. Mm. I approve. I approve this message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we've got the non-binary stamp of approval on this one. <laughs> Fresh from Joe's desk. <laughs> Reed, do you have any thoughts on the whole kind of real world queerness versus escapist queerness in... TTRPGs. All I can really do is kind of describe how it feels for me when I'm role-playing. That sounds like thoughts. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, it feels like going to the wardrobe and opening the door and having all of the characters that I've ever played and maybe will play kind of hanging up, waiting for me to wear them. I like them all equally. And in the same way that I wake up sometimes... And I look at my real life wardrobe and I'm like, "Mm, I don't really feel like wearing trousers today. I will wear this instead. Like, I kind of get that same feeling when I'm like thinking about my role playing characters. Like, I think they serve me in different ways and they like pull on different threads of my identity in different ways that like, I just find really satisfying, I guess. Mm. 
Yeah, I always have this little imagination moment where I kind of picture them almost as a ghost that kind of like settles over you when you sit down to play them. Mm. <laughs> it sounds a bit weird, but yeah, no, <laughs> I, I totally see that. It's because yeah. I don't think I'm a very particularly good actor. Like we know a lot of friends who are really good, sort of with their facial expressions and they do accents and things. And I just don't do those things because I'm not a particularly good actor physically. But I do feel different in my body when I'm like playing a certain character over another one or like my voice will skew a bit lower when I'm playing like a certain character it's mm. almost like I can feel their like body ticks and things sort of yeah mm. I don't know maybe that's a bit fucking weird <laughs> no I mean no. I think it makes a lot of sense that it's like every role-playing character at least for me and I think like it's both a part of you and not right? and separate to you you can't ever time. like yeah. create a character without you know creating it from something that is in some way in you mm. that you understand that you know and that is a part of you but it's also I don't know whether you're accessing a part of yourself that you didn't know was there or whether you're creating a new part of yourself by like recombining mm. previous elements of yourself in a new way there is a, a real sense in that like yeah it's you and it's not you mm. and both of those things are doing something for you and giving something to you in conclusion all of my roleplay characters are my horrible sons. <laughs> They're all my horrid children that I keep in the wardrobe. Yeah, <laughs> They're kind of like the portraits of Dorian Gray meets your large adult sons. Like, they're like... <laughs> Do you guys, with any of your characters, get to the point where, like, when you've been playing them for a long time, you don't really have to think about the decisions that they would make anymore. It's just... It just comes to you like as a snap. You're not even thinking, oh, okay, my character would do this. You just do it, even if it's totally against what you yourself would choose to do. It's like there'll yeah. be like a, a moral conundrum or something that you need to solve. And your snap decision as the character is totally different from your snap decision like as you would be. And sometimes mm. I get that and then it's not until the end of the session that I look back on it and I'm like, oh my God, that's not what I would have done. I really yeah. was my character at that moment. <laughs> That's something that comes with experience. And that's the thing that I found really hardest to get used to when I was first role-playing. I started playing four years ago and I joined a group of complete strangers. I felt really self-conscious because the last time I had acted was like year nine GCSE drama. And like Lou said earlier, like my first character was just me. And as I got more experience and now that I'm, you know, a couple of years down the line, that ability to be like, I'm going to make decisions that are not decisions we would make, but are decisions that my character would make. That's like, I think that's the sort of mark of a good role player is like, once you get to that point and it becomes kind of natural to do that, you, you've kind of got it, right? Mm -hmm. It's clicked. I really struggle with this particular thing. The like decision-making and snap judgments are probably the place where I most play Cleo rather than whatever weird character I've decided to come out with. And part of that is possibly because I'm just so drawn to the idea of a character who is funny or, or who is like a bit that I invariably kind of overplay myself into it a bit. But I think a lot of it is also because in my 20 years or whatever of doing this, I have for the vast majority of that been like in, in the position of running the game rather than a player in it. Mm. And so I feel very at home tweaking lots of little things and manifesting variously as the surface facets of 20 or 30 different NPCs, non-player characters. But then when it comes to being one person and thinking more reflexively, what do they do now? That's where I struggle. 
You're, you're just the, you got the DM soul, haven't you? <laughs> I just, <laughs> why be one character when you can be a hundred? <laughs> and also the building. And also the building. <laughs> I'm just fully getting into the feeling of the building. <laughs> Cleo's been standing there stock still for 20 minutes. We think it's part of the role-playing game. We're not really sure. <laughs> role-playing a door. <laughs> Look, that's my body type, and you have no right to make fun of me for it. (laughs) As you arrive, you hear a grinding sound and see one of the bars holding the gate in place, holding the portcullis in place. I'm already revising this because that's not how portcullises work. So let's see. Have you actually seen a portcullis, Cleo? They don't just lift up one bar at a time. (laughs) Look, the the portcullis magically held in place by bars of elven craftsmanship. One of these bars of elven craftsmanship holding the portcullis in place, even though that's not how a portcullis (laughs) might work in your world, dear listener, slides away. Move over, Matt Mercer. (laughs) (laughs) That's the fucking Matt Mercer effect right there. critical roles fan base <laughs> the l over the door uh goes dormant should we uh head for the g sure thing, sure thing. i mean wow <laughs> <laughs> you go over to the g and rap sharply on the door and it glows and gently floats down towards you and then sigils appear spelling out the forbidden second gender goblins <laughs> and then the door swings open and a portal appears before you step over the threshold you are sucked through the portal and spat out in a steamy quite ripe atmosphere you're in a tiled room with walls that are slick with condensation and steam is billowing all around you and at the back there are two large tin tubs a door with a curtain over it, which appears to be the source of the steam, and a bunch of bundles of, like, branches all tied together. Sitting on the benches engaged in deep conversation are four little guys. They've all got, like, bright green skin, pointy ears. They are about three feet tall. They're wearing, like, little pointy pink caps and gold earrings, and they have bath towels wrapped around their chests. Boy wizard sighs in relief that the goblins in here are D&D variety and not Harry Potter variety (laughs) to avoid anti-Semitic tropes. (laughs) As you you utter the forbidden words, one of the intellectual property drifts (laughs) through the wall and takes a strike at you. (laughs) Roll to evade. Fuck. That's a nine. The intellectual property lawyer (laughs) makes contact with you and starts to drain out your original content. (laughs) (laughs) 
This does no physical damage, but before your very eyes, you become a flat pastiche. <laughs> what was I before? <laughs> You'll never know as the intellectual property lawyer, now sated, glides off through the wall. <laughs> One of the four goblins looks up at you and says, Bonjour! I'm so glad you've arrived. We are very confused and we were just... I'm French listeners of this podcast, by the way. I'm so sorry. I thought this would be the funniest, least racist accent I could do. <laughs> we were just waiting for someone to come along and help us solve a little conundrum. What's the conundrum? The second goblin speaks up and says, Well, we want to have a nice, relaxing spa day uh, after a long, hard uh, day at our goblin jobs. But none of us can work out which treatment we want. Where do you work? Uh... <laughs> classic, classic question there. <laughs> the GM on the spot. <laughs> not a bank. <laughs> I did not work at the I bank. Just need, <laughs> I need to get an idea of like what you do in your everyday life, so that I can empathise with you better. Uh, the first goblin says, "Well, uh, me and uh, these two run a co-op bakery, but uh, this guy, he's in local politics. Uh, yeah, okay. Oh, the bakery sounds really nice. Yeah, it is. You know, we make goblin loaves, goblin cakes, <laughs> uh, you know, basically all of your goblin versions of uh, bakery things. <laughs> Would you like a goblin croissant? Well, I'd love a goblin croissant. I mean, yeah, I guess. Sorry, that was a little too enthusiastic. The goth shrinks back against the wall and goes, ah, oh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Make me a stealth roll. Oh, there's a 10. Where the hell did they go? <laughs> <laughs> that was scary. <laughs> Any, anyway, this uh, this voice is actually really annoying now I'm doing it for a length of time. So would you like to uh, help us solve our dilemma? You need to choose between some treatments. The goblin points to the back and says, the spa remedies are back there. We can't work out for ourselves which would be best. I uh, nod to the bandicoot and sort of say, shall we uh, go check it out? I stare blankly in response, <laughs> but I do follow you. Boy wizard like shudders. <laughs> like, holding these like dead yeah. eyes. There is nothing behind these bandicoots' <laughs> eyes. It's just like... You suspect the intellectual property lawyers have been to visit a good few times. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I go and have a look. So at the back of the room, there are two tin baths. One of them is full of ice water. One yeah. of them is full of hot mud. There's a curtain that appears to lead to a sauna. And then there's these bundles of, like, narrow, fragrant twigs lashed together. Bundles of twigs. Fragrant twigs, mm -hmm. you say? Is the objective here, do you think, Rienbeth, to just get them to agree or to pick the right one? Because if we need to just, like... Get them to all agree on one. I've got a, an idea. Okay. Gotta take it away, Bandicoot. I'm gonna bug Spiny these motherfuckers. I'm gonna go behind the curtain to the sauna. Use the gauntlets of ogre tits to grow massive tits. <laughs> and then just like waggle my eyebrows at them suggestively and like disappear behind the curtain. Uh, you go behind the curtain and then come out some like careless whisper starts playing. Uh, <laughs> just like the biggest, most curvaceous set of Bandicoot norks that you can... <laughs> possibly imagine Norks. if there are any uh fan art contributors at home please <laughs> can't emphasize enough how much it would make our day to capture this moment <laughs> the goblins all look round the lead goblin says oh well that is making me so horny <laughs> but i'm so worried that that would be the wrong bad treatment for me i, I don't know what to do why don't you 
just do all of the spa treatments. Your hair, live a little. Because we all have personal tastes, I mean, we might hate one of them. What's your personal taste then, I say to the goblin speaking? Uh, my name is Philippe. I don't really know what I want, but uh, I know that Joe on the end there, he, uh, he likes to try new things, you know? New things? Yeah. He's a bit of a freak. Oh, maybe then uh, Joe might like to peek behind the curtain, as it were. The goblin on the end looks uh, uh, up and then nods and <laughs> heads up and follows the sexy bandicoot behind the curtain. I think we should stop the role playing there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's enough of that. You can give us a tip on Kofi and we'll write down for you what happens next. There are three goblins left. Okay, I will say to goblin number two... Hello. Hi, hi. hi. Tell me a bit about yourself. Uh, My name is Michel. Uh, I don't think I do very much that is interesting, but uh, Philippe, and he points to goblin number one. Philippe, he doesn't like to get too hot, you know? (laughs) It's a body temperature thing. I say to Philippe, how does a nice ice water bath sound? Ah. That sounds like it would be amazing on on my little goblin body. Your little hot goblin body, yeah. Perfect. (laughs) And Philippe whips off his towel. (laughs) Oh, God. Hopping on his little goblin feet, does tiny jump into the pot and goes, ah, there are two goblins left. Goth, would you like to have a crack at the remaining goblin? Wait, wait, where where is she? (laughs) 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 I like melt back out of the shadows at this point. Uh, <laughs> what are you guys into? It's my funny business, just... What kind of sparking are you into? I've forgotten what the options were of different treatments now. I've just become fixated on the, the like fragrant twigs because I can't... I don't know what they are, do you know? Just... <laughs> like, um... There's fragrant twigs and hot mud remaining. Oh, okay. I say to Goblin 3... What about you? You must have an opinion. Hello. <laughs> Je suis Jean-Claude. I don't have an opinion on myself, but I know that this guy here, Michel, I know that he likes the heat. Well, it sounds like the mud bath would be a good idea then. Michel says, oh, yeah, I could really go for a mud bath <laughs> and dives on in. Which means the, the bundles of twigs are all yours, Jean-Claude. Jean-Claude looks at the bundles of twigs. I don't know, they look a bit uh, <laughs> dirty. <laughs> Am I just not, like, middle-class enough to know what the bundle of twigs are for? Oh, you don't know. It's very popular in Goblin Town. You take them and you give a good thrashing with them. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's good for the skin. I don't know. I like the idea of the sensation, but the twigs look very dirty. Do we need to clean the twigs? I'm going to take the twigs and give them a little dip in in the ice water. Philippe goes... Oh, yeah, that's a fragrance. And you, you wash the twigs and then reluctantly uh, Jean-Claude sneaks up to them and says, Oh, God, give, give it a little go. I will try. <laughs> Is this not something you can do to yourself, Jean-Claude? You need some assistance. I feel like that would demystify it. <laughs> I take a twig and tentatively thrash the coffin with it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, this is like goth shit, isn't it? Goths will love this shit. <laughs> Roll to thrash. <laughs> An 11. Jean-Claude goes, not the principle of the thing, but I wonder if it could be a bit more. Like maybe, I don't, I don't really know what I want here. Is it more sticks? Is it more? 
the bandicoot you suddenly realize has been standing behind you for an amount of time you're <laughs> unsure about with a vacant stare in his eye uh picks up the twigs spins around really fast hitting the guy with the twig over and over again make me a strength roll bandicoot you get plus five on this that is 20 <laughs> oh my god it's like a horrifying car wash <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you spin around really fast and yeah, as you do the twigs go thwap 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 against Jean-Claude's back he goes that's more like it <laughs> I love a good clean twig whipping it turns out all of the goblins are now so relaxed um, <laughs> the, and uh, the portal appears before you and the glowing G floats down to join the L Fuck yeah. I'd hurriedly leave. <laughs> yeah, leave the goblins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from there's a chorus of Merci beaucoup! <laughs> uh, bon voyage! As you leave behind the curiously insensitive goblin spa. <laughs> so the last thing I wanted to discuss that came in on the tubes was this idea of communities. We've talked about the community building effect of tabletop role-playing games, and a lot of people on Reddit and on Twitter had these really interesting stories to share, some of which were really positive about like the way that these games, particularly online, can bring queer people together. But others have talked about how the prevailing culture around it can actually make that quite difficult mm. i honestly forgot that role playing was like a male dominated space before because <laughs> i've mostly role played with like women and queer people i just kind of forgot that it can be quite unfriendly if you if you try and go into it without an established group and when i first joined my first role playing group that was something i was really worried about i didn't know any any of them and i know that they're a table of all all dudes and i, I think i was just really lucky in that everyone at the table was very welcoming and very accommodating I think that part of the reason why it's kind of been a boys game and been fairly unwelcoming, honestly, I think it's sort of built into D&D. D&D's done a, a decent amount of work in the last 10 years to try and open up those spaces a little bit more and become more inclusive. But like prior to that point, it, in the way they were marketing and like marketing themselves and advertising and like it, it really was like this boys game. But I've noticed that particularly with the most recent publication of um, Counterkeep Mysteries, they've taken a few leaves from like indie game developers about like safety mechanics and like consideration and like lines and veils. So like there's this mechanic where prior to the game starting, the DM should check with their players about like what topics are, will cross a line. You, you know, like we're not going to role play this particular type of trauma. That's a line for me. Or you can have a veil, which is like, I'm okay with it kind of being alluded to, but I don't want it to become like the central focus of a scene. And like those kinds of safety mechanics, I think, have come up through queer indie game developers that are now making it into the mainstream. And I think everybody's going to be better off for it. I also think one way that you can see the impact of indie developers is in the way that games have started mechanically shifting. Mm, yeah. So part of the gatekeeping atmosphere around something like Dungeons and Dragons, for instance, has which which we almost say interchangeably with tabletop role playing games because it's the big one. Yeah. One of the reasons is this kind of like impossibly abstracted version of women don't understand the offside rule where 
it's so rulesy and heavy and mathsy and you need to buy you know a bunch of splat books each of which are 30 quid or something yeah in order to understand what's going on that it becomes a kind of informal way of keeping out people who don't buy into that culture of you know crunching all the numbers to work out that you've got plus 20 to attack or or or, or whatever mm. whereas indie games like um one that we play that i'm always ready to shout out called broken rooms even though they have slightly asats dice systems are much more focused on the flow of story on mm. character moments and i think critically on both game masters and characters having much more carte blanche to sort of say i do this and then it happens so long as it creates a good story moment mm, rather than leaving it up to the dice you know yeah, yeah. absolutely and so you, you almost have this back and forth between two ways of playing one of which is a bit more numbers heavy i guess more classically like a game is very dominated by luck and by being able to stack your numbers the right way mm. and then this other way of playing which I think it's harder to pull off because you need to put a lot of faith in the people you're playing with and you need to be quite confident and comfortable that they all know how to tell a story or mm. maybe that's an unfair way of putting it. Not that they all know how to tell a story, but that you will all work together to tell yeah. that story in a way that will make you all happy. While conflict often drives narrative in any good story, I think D&D lends itself particularly to conflict between dm and player mm, or mm. some sort of kind of predisposition towards violence being the solution so it you know it's casting your spells it's swinging your sword and like that's how you win like you kill the monsters the game used to reward you xp for killing monsters but not for resolving a situation peacefully that's changed these days but i think that's pretty revealing about like yeah the degree to which like violence is yeah violence the is the answer yeah. yeah yeah and i think bound up in that is D&D's long history of racism, right? Like mm. this kind of racial essentialism that they depend on with their character creation mm. system. You know, like if you want to play an orc, then you take a minus two intelligence debuff because like there's something inherently stupid about this particular race and like orcs are inherently stupid and aggressive according to some of the most recent right splatters. rather than rather yeah, than leaving that to good. the player to decide like this is just what my character looks like. Yeah. My character's a big dumb jock. Because, you know, that's the character I'm playing, rather than saying, like, that's something essential to their, like, species or their nature. Mm. I, they don't use the word species, which would be better, in my opinion. Yeah. They use the word race. They use the term, like... Yeah, and they won't let that go, right? Like, so yeah. many... They've been called out so many occasions about, like, it would be quite simple just to stop using the word race, right? Mm. Like, your race and class, like your species instead. Mm. You know, it doesn't carry that weight and that history, but they seem very mm. resistant to it. Yeah, they made quite a big deal about how one of the newer releases, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, was going to have like a different set of rules that would avoid some of these pitfalls. But ultimately, it was just like a page and it said, do just what you do want. what you want. Yeah. You know, like the books already give you permission to do that on the first page. Right. Like one of the things that we were talking about earlier, which is that like role playing games give you freedom to tell the narratives you want to tell that has the double-edged sword of you can learn quite a lot about someone by what kind of narratives they choose they to, to tell, tell right yeah, you, yeah. you hear horror stories there are so many people who pick up D D and just like 
become an asshole、mm. <laughs> in this story. It's kind of power fantasy. Yeah. Yeah.、Um, because they, you know, they're angry and repressed in their real life. They know that there are consequences if they just like beat up whoever they want or、mm. insult whoever they want or take whatever they want. So, you know, that's what they really want to do. And, and role playing becomes a, a sort of like ground for playing out those ideas. And, and it's no coincidence that like, The sort of same like nerds that were being made fun of on The Simpsons、mm. were playing this game. And we all know how toxic nerd culture became, the、mm. turn of the millennium and afterwards. It's all tied up within this, this quite intricate web of like power fantasy and perceived disenfranchisement and actual real world privilege.、Mm. I do think the arc of the universe is trending broadly towards improvements. You know, Critical Role is the. Driving catalyst of a lot of the the resurgence in RPGs recently, and you know, that has women and like good representation. It's all white people, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love, it really says a lot about the state of the player. It's like critical role is you know, really steering the arc of the universe. I mean, I mean there's women. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, perhaps no. I overstated that. No, no. No, I get it. They are like, they're a good bunch. They are the pronouns、bunch. in BioCredo, we, we love women. We love, <laughs> we love dames. <laughs> well, women are my favourite minority. <laughs> 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 oh, that's really got me. <laughs> But so, funnily enough, critical role gets mentioned a lot in the responses online. People generally like it a lot. It's like really, really popular.、Um, it's credited with doing a lot of good for diversification of the fan base and of gameplay, even if the bar is, you know, somewhere in hell's lower levels. <laughs> <laughs> But it's also come up, and this is really interesting because I, I thought that there would be criticism of critical role, which I, for the record, Haven't really seen any of the episodes are like four hours long and allow that. <laughs> I thought people would like not like the people on it or that someone would have been, you know, cancelled or something, or there would have been some discourse. Yeah, none of them have been cancelled. Just... Uh, I mean, it happens、they? all the time, but、oh. it's minor things. You, you know, people like to blow stuff up. None of them done anything really bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess this is, this is what I expected would come up, but what actually came up was that both players and game masters were saying. Particularly in relation to being a queer player or a queer game master, that shows like critical role and to a lesser extent, you know, things like that the McElroys do, Dungeons and Dragons podcasts or streams or whatever that are run by people who are confident actors or even professional entertainers,、mm. have shifted the sense of what's expected by new players. And people、mm. are describing scenarios where players are coming into these games expecting the kind of perfect narrative catharsis or this kind of like bespoke expert storytelling service. Yeah,、almost. like with perfect voice acting. Yeah, I've heard it called the Matt Mercer effect, being like players having such high expectations of their dungeon masters. And, and I've, I've seen lots of dungeon masters kind of complaining, being like, we can't all be Matt Mercer, basically. One thing that really spoke to me, and this is from Safety Tank on Twitter, who also previously contributed to our gaming episode. So thank you, thank number you, Infinity、tank. Fan, who made the really salient point that if what you're coming to role playing for is, and take us back to the start here, this experience of 
like working through aspects of your identity or even working through aspects that are like fundamentally not your identity but are, are still kind of reflecting you in negative in that result and you're looking to the dm to guide you through that what you're looking for isn't a dungeon master it's a therapist and that's <laughs> when it starts to become a problem yeah i think that's it i think the way in which you know i was speaking about my characters before that's because i've always been at a table where i really like implicitly trust the dm and the players mm. around me i don't know how comfortable i would feel connecting those characters quite so deeply to who i am if it was um a dm that i didn't know as well or i didn't trust yeah i can absolutely see that point that like you know yeah i think a lot of good role playing comes from having a good relationship with the people around you at the table that also shouldn't be like a precursor to doing role playing if you don't have that available to you it's a little bit like if all you ever have experienced is porn then your expectations of actual sex are going to be pretty severely warped and if all you've ever seen is people performing this thing professionally on the internet (laughs) they're going to come to a game with their peers and and have a set of expectations that are not what the game is going to be i do have expectations that i will be able to date uh someone in in my games however (laughs) (laughs) i do require romanceable npcs and at least one sexy monster. <laughs> Beth has somehow managed to combine the porn issue with the <laughs> RPG issue and now gets mad if she rocks up to a game and the DM won't let her jizz on the monster's tits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> you are returned to the cave. You're now half through the trial of the four genders the bee stops glowing and another one of these bars that somehow not through engineering but through magic holds shut the portcullis rolls out of the way all right next door Shall we uh have a little look see at the bee the sigil glows and others join it revealing the third forbidden gender bear <laughs> And then the door opens into a portal. Yes, B-A-R, if I were to spell it out in Forbidden Sigils. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go. As you exit the portal, you find yourself in a dimly lit space. You're indoors, but the lighting is strange, eldritch colours, and you can hear a distant, thudding drumming of the kind favoured by druids. You can see directly in front of you is an enormous human man wearing a bearskin over his naked chest, which itself is covered with thick curly hair. And next to him, there's a long bar with a skeleton stood behind it. Somewhere beyond the skeleton, who is currently absentmindedly polishing a tankard, you can hear the druidic music and see the lights changing color. Oh, I want to go up to the bar and order a drink, please. The skeleton goes, what can I do you for, buddy? Just get a, uh, what should I go for? Uh, a vodka cranberry? A vodka cranberry. We don't have this. This is a fantasy establishment. What, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I can sell you meat or uh, ale or uh, some of these mushrooms. I don't know what they oh, do. I have a mushroom, please. Oh, sure thing, pal. What are you going to trade me for it? Um, look in my pockets. Uh, you have the decanter of endless eyeliner, but otherwise just the goth tat on your back. 
there's quite a lot of goth tat on my back, obviously. Um, mm. Gothic leather mini skirt with corset stuff on the sides. Pink uh, <laughs> 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 fishnet tights, gloves. <laughs> MCR t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. An MCR t-shirt over a corset. As you expose quite how layered up you are, the skeleton clacks their jaw in approval and says, Well, uh, I'm, uh, I'm not too much of the femme styles, but uh, that band t-shirt, that seems pretty good. I could sleep in there. Yeah, yeah, all right then. Uh. I get cold at night, not a can. I got, I got no skin. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah. I'll uh, take my MCR t-shirt off these mushrooms that'd be good the skeleton pulls it on and says it's a good thing too the boss was about to fire me for being naked at work <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to help the body out. can we can we bring the skeleton with us please i want to make him a party member <laughs> <laughs> i've got one passion in life and it's bartending in the bar sorry is the skeleton romanceable <laughs> 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 the skeleton is an extremely romanceable, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, that's not the the point of this test. And the skeleton nods to the the big uh, hairy human who is nervously twiddling his thumbs. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll walk over to the big hairy human in there. Okay. Holding uh, your mushroom, which is bright red with little white spots on top, as it should be. Uh, he says, oh, hey, buddy, I didn't see you there. Hi, how can we help you? Um, oh, geez, it's kind of embarrassing. I'm just, there's a guy around there on the, uh, in the druidic circle and, oh, 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 geez, I'm just kind of crushing on him, but I don't know how to talk to him. Oh, that's so cute. So nice. <laughs> would you like us to go and talk to him for you? Oh, would you? Yeah, That'd be do. great. He's just so cool, you know, and he's got that look to him. And, oh, his body. I mean, oof, I don't like to talk about that kind of stuff too much, but boy, he. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we can, we can go and do that for you. Don't worry. Oh, geez, you guys are the best. And if you do, I'll pass you on the challenge. Yeah, sounds good. I'm going to walk towards the sound of drumming. Okay. Uh, the pounding druid drums get louder as the lights grow more and more vivid. And you step out into this strange, eerie space. Um, the drums are echoing from all around you. The floor is sticky with some unknown substance. There's a strange, sweaty tang to the air. And in the spectral lighting, you see at the center of it all, a huge grizzly bear swaying in time to the noise. That must be him. <laughs> I'll go up to the bear and just like start like dancing next to the bear, like kind of oh, try and like nice. find the flow, you know? Make me a performance role to dance. 19. 19? Yes. What you missed out on in taking key stage three literacy classes, you clearly picked up on in the boy wizard school disco because you get those hips swaying, your little boy wizard cloak flicking about, got some wand action in there. Oh, yeah. And the grizzly, he clearly appreciates it and rears up on his hind legs and starts swaying in time to the beat. The druid uh, drums strike hard and both of you get low together. And yeah, you're really feeling, really feeling this moment. At one point I lean in to the bar and I say, Hey, uh, my friend over there, he's, he's really into you. 
the bear goes, <laughs> and I go, yeah, that friend. Do you want to like come get a drink with us at the bar, or I think you'd really like uh, him. The bear looks at you and then stops dancing for a moment and goes, okay, I'm gonna use my shape change to turn into a bear. Okay. So that I can speak bear back to the bear. Uh, the bear goes, Oh, you speak bear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I go, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, did uh, you did you catch what I was saying before? or? Not a word. I'm really sorry. I don't speak wizard. <laughs> oh, my, my friend at the bar, he's like really into you. Uh, I think you guys would get on like a house on fire. Do you want to come and get the a drink? The skeleton? No, no, not the skeleton. The, the other bear. Oh... I mean, he's good looking and all, but I don't know. I kind of go for a confident type of guy. I, do you really think it's worth it? Yeah, I, I think, you know, you've got to give it a try, right? Like, you never know. Make me a persuasion roll. <laughs> Nine. Can I get advantage on that because I'm also a bear? <laughs> <laughs> go on then. Yes. <laughs> No, I got a natural one. <laughs> I shit myself and die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do like a bear does do in the woods, and the other bear reacts with confusion and says, "No, I'd be willing to give it a go, but I'm just not sure." All right, I uh, turn around and like beckon my friends to be like, "Come and help me with this." The bandicoot's like being just smashing his face into one of the drums over and over again. But he, uh, <laughs> he runs over. The bandicoot is just like going full tweakers by the speakers. <laughs> I've just been doing that thing that like goths do in the club where they kind of like stand in the middle of the dance floor and like sway backwards and forwards, just glowering. But, <laughs> <laughs> but looking like somehow amazingly beautiful at the same time. Yeah, you look like perfectly poised as you make microscopic glow stick passes. Yeah. Can we, so will we be able to understand Boy Wizard now that he's turned into a bear? <laughs> you can't understand what the Boy Wizard is saying at all, no, on account of he's a bear. Yes, that does make sense. I waggle my bear eyebrows up and down suggestively <laughs> and like gesture my head towards him, towards the other bear. Okay, I'll put a hand on the uh, the other bear's arm reassuringly as if to lead him off of the dance floor come on man let me introduce you to my friend he goes oh i feel like i'm not brave enough oh it's gonna be fine honestly once you get over there and the music's playing and you just you know you just relax just shuffle over and just be yourself i reinforce this point by pointing at the bear on the dance floor and then just like doing grotesque hip thrust motion for a little while. <laughs> Waggling my eyebrows. I'm going to rule that your gauntlets of ogre tits are still active, which <laughs> means that, goth, you can make a persuasion roll. That's a 15. Uh, the bear goes, oh, okay, I, uh, well, I guess I'll try it out. Just, uh, I feel so self-conscious dancing, I'm no good at it. Uh, everybody thinks that they're bad at dancing, but it's okay, once you get into it, it's fine. Wait, Goth, Goth why don't you give them your mushroom? Oh, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it might help. Yeah, just like, you could split the mushroom and then you won't care about, like, if anyone's looking at you dancing, because it would just be amazing. That's a good, that's a good point, yeah, okay. 
He's kind of already on his way to the dance room and then looks at the mushroom and says, Oh, yeah, I love these things. I break off oh. a little piece of the mushroom cap and say, Here you go, buddy. Godspeed. He eats it and then says, Oh, that sure is delicious. And then, like, his eyes just, like, widen to saucers <laughs> in front of you. Uh, perspiration breaks out on his forehead. And with a grin on his face, he walks onto the dance floor. And then, like, looking at the bandicoot, just starts, like, shaking in time to the drums. Yes. Are the two bears dancing together now? You're kind of still talking to the second bear. The bear bear. The bear bear. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but the human bear is now on the dance floor. Yeah, he's, he's putting himself out there. I'm going to shift back to boy wizard form. And uh, go and get a little piece of the mushroom to give to the bear bear. The bear bear goes, Rawr! <laughs> 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 and then holds up one of his paws and you can see a set of car keys dangling on it. <laughs> oh, I, I, I nod and just say, yeah, that's very respectable. Don't push the mushroom on him. Yeah, uh, admiring your respectable behaviour and seeing that everyone's having a good time, Bear Bear kind of gets into the rhythm of it and sidles up to Man Bear and they start doing a little shimmy together. And then within a few minutes, they're kind of dancing around each other. Aww. At one point, Man Bear like, kind of anxiously looks back at you, Goth, as if he's like worried. I just give him a thumbs up. He like smiles weakly and then looks back and then they start to dance a little closer. He glances over at you again and says, You were right. Once you get going, it really does feel okay. <laughs> the bear bear takes the car keys again and jangles them at man bear who blushes and then nods and the two of them head off together. Yay! Aw, that's so sweet. <laughs> The magic bee sigil glows in front of you and then drifts down and joins the others. And the portal opens. We're real matchmakers. Yeah, good stuff, guys. How's about that? I wouldn't have thought it looking at this fucking bandicoot with tits, but... <laughs> <laughs> As you say that, I think at this point the gauntlet of ogre tits wears off and the bandicoot returns to their former gender expression. <laughs> Clutch me. Facial expression doesn't change one iota. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's <barely> registered. <laughs> Are there any other, like, general comments you want to put in about RPGs, queerness, yourselves as players, anything like that? Oh, pretty gay, isn't it? It's quite gay. It's a bit gay. It's all a bit gay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, role-playing is just a bit queer. Yeah. If you play Dungeons and Dragons, you are gay. Yeah. yeah. It's, I feel like it's one of those things that, like, my granddad, if I tried to explain what it was to him before he passed, he'd be like, what are you, a queer? And I'd be like, yes, granddad, that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're not the first or only people to have come up with the joke uh, of calling the Monster Manual the boyfriend catalogue uh, and just flipping oh, yeah, through it now we, and again. <laughs> we should, have, we should have talked about that. <laughs> For the viewers at home, what is the boyfriend catalogue? Well, the, the boyfriend catalogue is the Monster Manual from D&D, which is one of the rule books which contains artwork and stat blocks for various different kinds of non-human monsters that you might meet. We have this game where we call it the boyfriend catalogue and we get it out and we take turns flicking through and just picking a boyfriend from the many monsters and then just comparing our boyfriends to each other. 
And if anyone is curious about who my boyfriend is, just Google Chul, which is C-H-U-U-L, and tell me that he wouldn't make a damn fine boyfriend. Yeah. We have all reluctantly conceded that Ree has the best boyfriend. Sorry, Lou. (laughs) (laughs) I I know what it looks like, Ree. You didn't have to show me a picture on your phone. (laughs) Look at my boyfriend. (laughs) We literally got you on the podcast to then talk about Ree's fantasy boyfriend and how good he is. He has more tentacles and claws and legs than Mm. I can ever have. I've got to take the L here. Hey, baby, don't sit yourself down, you know, transition goals. Got <laughs> <laughs> this one monster that I can't remember what it's called now. I can't remember which one it is, but it's just basically like a really hench lion and it's just got like abs. It's just a lion with loads and loads of muscles. <laughs> I quite like that. That's one. just a sphinx, I think, in the book. Yeah, it might be the sphinx. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fucking jacked lion. I'll have that one, please. <laughs> already making a mental note for when I write the teaser copy that's going to get like first time listeners to tune on in Beth outs herself as a furry live on air (laughs) (laughs) all the tentacles in the world but nothing can get my eyes away from the jacked ass liar (laughs) a world of simple tastes (laughs) I was going to say if that sort of thing is to your taste then please do pick up Dungeons and Dragons as soon as possible because it's taken every conceivable member of the animal kingdom and put shredded abs on it. But then I also thought, honestly, if you're a furry and you're old enough to be listening to this podcast, then you're definitely playing D&D. <laughs> yeah. How do you think they became furries? That's another way you can track like the, the shift, I think, is that if you look back at the artwork, like the older artwork, all of the women are like drawn in those skimpy armour and all of the sexy female monsters are like have big titties on them and stuff. Nowadays, <laughs> everything is jacked, everything is sexy, regardless of gender, which is <laughs> a step forward for equality. Yeah. Thank you, wizards. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, wizards of the coast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. All right, let's uh let's go head for the tea gate. You head up for the tea gate, the fourth and most powerful of all of the gates. <laughs> As you rat on the door, the tea floats down and then spells out an all too familiar curse word. Trains. <laughs> <laughs> And then you are sucked into the portal to meet your final test. As you step out, you find yourself in a large sand-floored arena surrounded by a roaring crowd. From somewhere, a booming speaker's voice echoes saying, You didn't think that you were going to pass the trial without doing a single combat encounter, did you? (laughs) This is real Dungeons and Dragons. Is that Gary Gygax? (laughs) (laughs) The canonical voice of Gary Gygax. (laughs) You may have defeated my first three genders, true, but my fourth gender is the most powerful, the train's gender. (laughs) And with that, you hear a choo-choo from somewhere in the distance and a gate at the far end of the arena opens and you see a light starting to get closer and closer. Oh no. <laughs> Is there enough room in the arena to move out of the path of the, the oncoming train? 
Yes. Okay, I do that. I dive out of the way. As you do, an enormous blue train with a grimacing face on the front comes cannoning out into the arena. Sand spurts up at the sides in great rivulets as it contorts itself with a, a grim rictus of pure malice and begins to bear down on you, honking merrily all the way. <laughs> I had a horrible feeling it was going to be Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> as you name the train, you sense an uncomfortable stir as the intellectual property lawyers <laughs> once again <laughs> move to fill the skies. Oh, I'm going to melt into some shadows. Excellent. Make me a stealth roll. What would everyone else like to do? I'm going to lightning bolt this bitch. Excellent. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to run straight at it. Excellent. <laughs> Head first run at the train. <laughs> Make me a strength roll, Bandicoot. 11. <laughs> Goth, you melt into the background, and boy wizard, as you begin to whip out your wand to cast a lightning bolt, you see your comrade, the Bandicoot, run at the train and is just instantly <laughs> run over by it in perhaps the, the most predictable outcome of a Bandicoot on train melee encounter. It's like completely flat on yeah, the ground. There's just a pair of like blinking googly eyes left behind as the train <laughs> speeds yeah. past. <laughs> yeah, you like Tom and Jerry style pancake onto the ground yeah. as the malevolent train mows you down. Your lightning bolt strikes it and the electricity courses over it and... It whistles in pain, but it's not enough. Well, I got a 21 on my stealth roll to... Uh... You've completely concealed yourself. Not even the crowd can see where you've gone. You got any, uh, any tricks up the sleeve there, Goth? Or is it just hide? <laughs> 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 Thank you very much. I am building up to a um, devastating ranged attack. I just need to compose myself. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I will go over to the bandicoot and see if I can apply first aid. <laughs> Bandicoot is currently under the train, so... Oh. <laughs> I try nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Make me a healing roll. Two. Two. <laughs> you somehow make it <laughs> worse. Make it worse. <laughs> you hear a crunch as I, like, break some bones. Yeah. <laughs> um, from your uh, stealthy position of advantage, Goth, you see the lightning course over the train, momentarily holding it in place. But then the boy wizard, noble of spirit, casts himself forward to try and reach the bandicoot in time and just goes straight under the wheels of the train as well. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you, you see his chances appearing in the next six books dwindle to a thread. <laughs> um, what is the train doing? At the moment, it's grinding your companions into dust beneath its powerful wheels, but you suspect okay. it's only a matter of time until it shrugs off the effects of the electricity and turns While on you. While it's distracted them, I'll step out from the shadows and uh, I'll say, don't you know only 5% of people have this personality type? And just give it my most withering <laughs> INTP stare. <laughs> Make me a ranged attack at plus five. The hair stands on end as though like that's, raised by a wind. That's a 20. <laughs> Nice. Nice. You <laughs> All of the audience feel silent while also not wanting to admit to themselves that they're kind of hot for this <laughs> as you call upon the twin powers of Daddy Dom and self-diagnosed psychopath. <laughs> Your Tumblr bio rolls forth before you in a great wave. <laughs> 
as it strikes the train, they try to resist it for a minute, but you've seen their heart, a lowly ENFP, <laughs> and the war face fades to pain, then fades to a kind of embarrassed grimace, and they lift off your companions and run back through the gate to their hug box. Feelers just can't stand up to my intellects. <laughs> <laughs> As the boy wizard and the bandicoot come back to their senses and the train angrily subtweets from backstage, <laughs> the T floats down and rejoins the rest of the letters and you have finally obtained mastery of all four genders. Hell yeah. The portal opens once more. We'll go, we'll go back to our dank cave. The T is with the LGB as it should be. As it should be. <laughs> if there's a moral to this story. Yeah. <laughs> the portcullis finally opens and you can see a tunnel leads on beyond with a faint glimmer at the end. Wow. Boy Wizard's all about the glimmer. He's right up in there first. Pushes in front of the other two to get the glory. <laughs> Boy Wizard, you fight to get through <laughs> as you push past. Like, Boy Wizard's the main character, right? Like, he's got main character syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> Propelled forwards by a protagonizing force, <laughs> you get to the end of the chamber and sitting there on a throne is the oldest Boy Wizard you've ever seen. Whoa. Seeing your eagerness, he strokes his long beard, growing curiously and luxuriantly from his child's face, and fixes his glasses and says, Ah yes, I was like you once. Perhaps after many centuries of boy wizardry, you can become like me. A man wizard. <laughs> no, still a boy wizard, contractually obligated to never grow old or change. Sick beard. <laughs> Thanks. I've been on the juice. <laughs> <laughs> the tea. <laughs> yeah. The boy wizard motions to your grimoire and says, don't tell those guys. <laughs> Would you like your rewards after completing the trial of the four genders? Yes, I very much would like my rewards. It's been so magnificent to see such a group of different adventurers with different sexualities, gender identities, <laughs> gender expressions. Just a real diverse bunch. Just an incredibly diverse bunch. <laughs> Couldn't say what that guy's doing. Uh, he points to the bandicoot. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> but all in all, you've all come to acknowledge the true nature of the universe, the fundamental understanding that there are a finite number of genders. <laughs> it's four, and it's exactly the ones that you've seen today. But if your gender is anything else, it's made up. <laughs> Boy wizard vows to become a wizard cop there and there to police genders that are not primary for. <laughs> yeah, you see see yourself following the canonical boy wizard path and becoming the boy the wizard cop police. pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that's the last mushroom you'll ever take, but it won't be the last one you'll plant on a suspect. <laughs> it really disappoints me. So <laughs> Not all stories have happy endings. I'm going to go and write a fanfic about how I wish the boy wizard's life had gone. It involves exactly the same school that he went to before, except everyone's a god. <laughs> <laughs> have you done an episode on my immortal yet? Maybe you should. <laughs>
<laughs> we 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 literally have, yeah. We have, yeah. <laughs> but that's where the boy wizard character is from. <laughs> and the god. And the god. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Number Jesus. one pronouns in bio podcast fan, fan Beth McKenzie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm starting to feel like our listener engagement is up. <laughs> it's like, I swear. We've done like a two. <laughs> We've just had so many conversations about my immortal, like in real life. Maybe I just thought. <laughs> I just left. We've done like a two hour long self referential wank fest, and then at two hours and nine minutes, you're like, have we done this before? Mate, I definitely listened to it, so maybe I just like misremembered it as a conversation that we had. As if we're being like, we've got a goth, a wizard, and a bandicoot, original content, do not steal. <laughs> we're on the threshold of editing nightmare, so I'm gonna bring this to order. The aged boy wizard turns to the cop-to-be and says, For you, boy wizard, and hands you a scroll. I I open the scroll. Inside, you find the lawful copyright to the beloved boy wizard franchise. Oh, fuck yeah. Allowing you to say Harry Potter whenever the fuck you want. <laughs> I'm going to open a theme park. the intellectual property lawyers forever circle the boundaries howling in frustration (laughs) that you're untouchable now yeah fuck yeah the aged boy wizard next turns to the goth and says and to you goth and holds out a shimmering cloak of night with simple plans stamped on the butt (laughs) how i take it and uh, put it on right there and then you instantly fade into the background, but your unsavory presence is still very detectable. He says, this is the fabled cloak of social invisibility. <laughs> you can hang around wherever the fuck you want. Under a bridge, outside the shopping center, and no one will run you off. Amazing, thank you. And for you, Bandicoot, and the wizard uh, hands you a small cardboard box, Bandicoot. I break it. Popping out of it come a series of blister packs of tiny blue pills. And he says, Bandicoot, the real big naturals were inside you all along. <laughs> now you can be the Bandicoot with tits that your journey deserves. <laughs> I take them all at once. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, buddy, you're in for a ride. (laughs) (laughs) You speed run the transition process for a bandicoot and instantly become the huge, curvaceous bandicoot goof that you've always wanted to be. Say, do not try this at home, anyone. Some of the bits about the mushrooms you should probably be a light touch on as well. (laughs) With that, you are transported away from the cave of the four genders, having mastered the elements, um, and on to continue your far-fetched fantasy adventures with your treasures in tow. Well done, everybody. Oh, well done. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was fucking dumb. Thank you.
<laughs> Do we feel like we have emotionally matured? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, my capacity for empathy has grown, so thanks. For <laughs> yeah. That's probably all we've got time for. Does anyone have anything they want to add? Um on the subject on anything else at all yeah i'm not on twitter at the moment but can i like hold this shout out for a later day <laughs> like i'm writing a book come back to me yeah yeah yeah. when i'm done just thanks for having me guys i thought about dropping the dream address to my animal crossing island but it's not fucking finished yet so follow me at, at froghaven ac on twitter if you want to be one of the first to visit i've actually had a little privileged view of the wip of froghaven and it is lush so i can't recommend following yeah. beth enough Otherwise, thank you so much for coming on this magical journey with us. If you've got any questions about dungeons, dragons, or any other kind of fantasy beast, or you have suggestions for things you'd like to see on the podcast in future, then you can find us at PronounceCast on Twitter or Instagram. We're also PronounceCast at gmail.com. We're also now PronounceCast on Reddit. And I just want to say thank you again so much to all of the Reddit users who have contributed to our podcast today. I'd like to shout out again to Safety Tank, to Sif Happens, to D, to Naru Zombie, and to everyone else who contributed some amazing content to this work. We'd also like to thank everyone on our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash pronouns cast. We've got cool bits of bonus content going out there pretty regularly. Um, so please do come along and help us keep this podcast going, keep doing cool things. If a regular donation isn't your thing, we've also got a Kofi at ko-fi forward slash pronouns cast. It also really, really helps us get listeners in. If you leave us a review, which you can do on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are kept, you can even... I mean, don't give us a bad review, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you've got a bad review, just keep yeah. that to yourself. <laughs> we're interested in your thoughts, but only your good ones now. No, honestly, <laughs> we love hearing from your listeners, so please do get in touch. We love you all. Thank you so much to Beth and Lou for coming on the show today and for being a part of these stories with us for so many years. Aww, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's been a joy. And with that, I'm Cleo Madeline. And I'm Reed Brignall. And remember... But- the pronouns in the bio. Roll to put your pronouns in the bio. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> reference there. Pronouns in bio. <laughs> Unbelievably smooth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Roll credits. <laughs>